Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bosevich. And now, here's Jay. And a good afternoon. This is Robin here coming from the studios in Eugene, Oregon. We are live right now. I have a little bit of technical difficulty here trying to uh, get Jay to, to dial in. So please bear with us here. This is uh, part of the fun stuff of, uh, of live radio, folks, even though it's Internet. So I'm going to kind of work here. But what I do want to do while I'm working on getting this thing, getting Jay connected here, is to remind everybody that you can call the program at 646-721-9887. And, of course, email us at uh, talk at krbnradio.net. So, again, we apologize for that. And then one of the things that uh, Jay's in, Jay broadcasts out of his uh, remote location in Elmira, and we conference in, and... One of the things that's really fun is that, uh, and I, as anybody who knows me, um, knows that I hate updates. And the reason why I hate updates is because everything keeps changing. So the um, we use Skype to as our pipeline into the program. That way we can do it remotely. And trying to get Jay conference in here without losing our connection. Uh, is part of the fun stuff. But then again, like I say, that is live radio. And that's just uh, part of life, I guess. 646-721-9887. I'm going to try to to keep rambling here for a few minutes as I'm trying to get Jay connected so he can bear with me. It's been a very hot week out here. Very busy week, by the way. Again, please bear with us. Part of the fun of live radio. The good news is, is I'm not going to sing. Okay, I believe Jay is with us now. Have you got me on there? I have you on there. Welcome to, welcome to your show. We My are goodness. live, right? We had, yeah, we are live, and and this is called um, everything goes wrong on the same day. Um, <laughs> not the pose no show, but we are live from downtown Elmira. Um, we had a little power surge the other day, and I didn't. I didn't realize that this computer must have gone wacky, and now I can't seem to get anything to work right. It took it a good 15 minutes to reboot, um, and I am having difficulty with everything. Uh, Skype lost all my contacts. Uh, it's just one of those one of those days. And I was running late as it was uh, today because I've just had you know, a day where I had to uh, drop one of my dogs off to get a minor. Uh, um, surgery thing done. He had, had uh, an ear infection. Had had to be put sleep to, to clean his ear out. Um, and uh, while while he was under, they did his teeth too. But you know, I had to pick him up at three, and of course, the vet took forever getting him out. So I had to rush home, get here. The computer's not working. Try and bring it up. Nothing's working right. Uh, try and dial in the show with Skype, and it won't connect. And and uh, I tried to to log in through blog talk with my headset and that one that's not working um because it doesn't it's not giving me the connection thing when i'm logged in to blog talk right now it just says invite uh guests it's not asking me to 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 enter the show so i ended up calling in like i'm a guest <laughs> that's right and and it's trying to stay one step ahead of murphy uh as i was telling the folks while waiting for you to call in is that uh because we do conference using skype and Skype keeps making changes that gotta be careful otherwise we wind up dropping our main trunk to the to the program. Yeah, yeah. It's just um 
one of those days um, in my world. <laughs> it's, well, and it's been a long so, day as a county commissioner. <laughs> so what do you say we uh, we do this then? Uh, stand by, folks. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. We have a very accommodating crowd. Oh yes, they are. They are great, and and I really appreciate the studio audience. Um, and, and the four poodles are are cheering madly along with the studio audience. So Skype up now. I think. Uh, do we want to try and switch over to that, or is that just too dangerous at this point? <laughs> uh, let Let me see. Let's see if the gods are smiling. Which you never know. Yeah. So, I, I had I had to kill it and reboot that program. I don't know what's going on with the computer, but you know, the joys of living in rural Oregon, where you get squirrels that climb up on the power lines and fry themselves. Uh, <laughs> so. It does wonders for computers sometimes. Most, almost every computer in my house is on a power backer, so they don't really see that very often. And the one computer that isn't is the one I use for the show. Um, it is on a surge protector, but it's just not on a power backer. And I think something about having that the other day, yesterday, did something to the, the computer. But hopefully we'll get things up and running here. But it's been a busy day for Jay Bozovich, Lane County Commissioner, I got to go out to Junction City this morning uh, and help uh, do a grand opening for Alona Place, which is a new 40-unit uh, low-income housing development that's going to, that was uh, built and is going to be run by St. Vincent de Paul Society here in Lane County. And Terry McDonald and those folks are just amazing in what they've done for Lane County. They do a little bit of everything from uh, employing um, folks that uh, – have limited job skills in some of their uh, recycling programs to uh, the work they do with veterans to um, all the housing projects they provide and and the thrift stores they run. So, what's up, Robin? You, you want to try Skyping? Do we get a better still working connection? Okay. Yeah, I'm still okay, working well, on inter- it. Okay, interrupt me when, when, you're, when, you, when you get it uh, there, but We'll just keep going from this end right now, but you know we're live with the Bose Nose Show. Technical difficulties and all, and if you want to get in on the conversation, you can just call at six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven, and Robin puts you in the queue if you press one. And um, today's a free for all day, which I didn't get a chance to post on Facebook like I usually do. But we are uh, going to talk about anything you want to talk about, which can be. Uh, Trash, like we talked about last week, uh, got to talk trash with Dan Hurley from our waste management division for about an hour, and uh, that was an interesting topic and was a little controversial for a while here in Lane County until people realized that we were actually going to uh, have, have you gotten, gotten me on, on both lines? I believe I, I'm going to go ahead and mute your phone. There we go. How's that sound? That sounds beautiful. Oh, there we go. Oh, my. Don't we just love technology? Yes. <laughs> and live radio. So. And live radio. So, And, and I tried to uh, um, promote the radio show today when I spoke to the uh, Emerald Valley Rotary Club at noon, uh, where we, I talked trash a little bit and county budget. And we also talked about the uh, – Sheriff's work camp and the disposition of that property that uh, decision that the board made yesterday, which was a rare three, two split vote. Um, we get occasional four, one, most of our, you know, I'd say 90% of our votes are five, zero because they're pretty um, simple decisions, you know, contracts that need to be approved or, um, 
you know, things that everybody can agree on. But uh, and occasionally we'll get a 4-1 where one of us decides we just don't like what's going on. Uh, kind of like on the, the park smoking ban. I was the sole no vote on that. Um, but yesterday was a 3-2 vote, which is a pretty rare thing for this board. And it was a split that you don't normally see either because it was Sid Lykin and myself voting against um, the lease arrangement because both of us felt it was better for the county to actually dispose of that property rather than lease it. Uh, and we had an offer from a nonprofit to set up a um, meth addiction treatment program out there at the forest work camp. Um, and they were going to take it. No, no conditions, no questions asked. They just, they just wanted to have it gifted to them. And, and because the property has negative value to Lane County, it cost us more a year than that property is worth just to maintain security on the property. Sid and I thought that was a pretty good idea was just to get the property off the books, put it in some good hands for good public use. Uh, but we were kind of outvoted by our fellow commissioners. So I think kind of fell in love with the mission statement of the people that wanted to lease it um, in providing some veteran services uh, without kind of looking too far into is there potential liability for the county in the future? And is that brand new um, 501c3 that was set up purely to put an offer in on this capable of actually carrying out the mission statement they proposed for the forest work camp? Um, so you can call and we can talk about forest work camp. We can talk trash. We can even talk about the uh, um, this whole initiative thing that's been going back and forth for a while may not be able to talk too much about it because we haven't gotten our report from our staff yet on the legalities. But uh, interestingly, today we got a um, demand letter from Stan Long uh, asking us to enforce a section of Oregon law that we were unaware of until this whole controversy came up in the first place and was discovered in the research. And at the same time, we also got a letter from the uh, attorney for one of the initiatives, Ann Nealon, uh, threatening to sue us if we did an ordinance that got into the whole issue of matters of county concern. Um, two different issues. Stan Long's talking about um, what they called um, two subjects uh, or or two votes, I, I guess is, I, it's about whether there's more than one amendment to a charter or not under ORS 203-725 and Ann Nealon was referring to a whole different section um, in her, her letter about matters of county concern. It's, it's two different issues, but, but it seems like the legal stuff is fast and flying around that whole concept of initiative petitions and, and when certain things should go under review or not and uh, just the lack of clarity. And it's not surprising because in, the, in some of the research, we found out that the last time an initiative was filed in Lane County um, dealing with, with anything by a citizen to amend the charter was in 1991. And, and, and that, you know, all the other charter amendments have actually been put forward by the board of commissioners um, through you know their referral um, powers to the out to the citizens. Um, to the you know all the I think like 13 other times were county commissioner referrals, and that stretches way back as far as we can have good records, which is about 1978 or so. Um, so. It, it's not surprising that it's been 25 years since the, the only, one and only time someone tried to amend uh, our charter through initiative uh, that we don't really understand the process very well. And some of the uh, laws that pertain to this actually passed since then and aren't in our, our code, uh, reflected in our code. So uh, the code we actually have is, is about that old also. So, um, very, it gets to be a very legal and confusing issue, um, but the idea is we just need to kind of get step back, find out exactly what we're required to do by, by state law, 
get some clarity around that, maybe clean up our code to provide that clarity and move forward um, so that the next time somebody comes in with an initiative petition, they have a clear idea of what the county reviews for, what the time periods are, what the rules are, and there won't be confusion like there is with these uh, recent petitions and whether or not they, they, they should be circulated for, for signatures and whether there's an issue now with a piece of ORS that we were unaware of. Um, it's a mess. Uh, and it's going to probably be argued by attorneys for the next couple years about whether we did the right thing or the wrong thing. And, and if we do anything at all in the next several months, whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing. Um, but welcome to, welcome to the world of being a county commissioner. There's always something legal to do. Uh, it was interesting. I was hearing uh, a local radio host here, Bill London, on the wake-up call. Um, he was not around last week, and his co-host um, was interviewing uh, an attorney talking about when do you settle um, a lawsuit or not, and, and how do you make that decision. And I, and I was reflecting upon my own experience as a county commissioner, almost half of our executive sessions seem to be that discussion. Do we want to settle? How much do we want to offer to settle? You know, what are our limits? You know, what are our uh, our chances? And, and those discussions with our attorneys are quite often the subject of, of a, an executive session. And, and it's about not necessarily whether we were right or wrong, it's about limiting the financial exposure of the county. Um, because we can be right as rain when it comes to a, a legal lawsuit, but we might spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to ultimately win and have no ability to recover that money because the suit was filed in state court where there's not a winner's prevail or something like that, you know, or, or um, you know, where we have the ability, the only way we can legally get our attorney's fees back is to prove that the original suit was completely frivolous, which is a really um, tall bar to jump over legally. Um, so do you risk that hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in deposition, you know, time for, for staff and, and attorneys to be at the depositions and, and all the preparation it takes to get into court even though you know you're going to win because you're, you're, you're damn sure the facts are on your side, um, sometimes it's easier to offer a very small, you know, $10,000, $20,000 payoff to ask somebody to go away. And it's not really that you did anything wrong. It's just far cheaper to pay somebody $20,000 to go away. Um, those are the decisions that the commissioners make uh, on a regular basis on behalf of the, the citizens uh, that, you know, are pretty – pretty hefty decisions um, and, and uh, a decision that, you know, a citizen might have to make if they're involved in a lawsuit, whether they're somebody being sued by somebody or they're actually suing somebody, uh, trying to make that determination between proving your right, no matter what the cost, or simply uh, accepting either less money to, to get to the point of, of uh, closure and avoiding a bunch of additional costs, it can be a really difficult decision. And I'm sure we're going to get to a lot of these um, legal decision points around the initiative process. You know, do we, do we fix this? Uh, what's the risk around fixing that? You know, do we, do we uh, need to take action on some of the ones that are, that are filed now uh, based on this, this piece of state law that, that's missing that was brought up by the demand letter today? It's just uh, one of those conundrums we'll have to face and, and probably have a couple executive session discussions on. Um, and it's complex. It, it revolves around the fact that we're a home rule county. The rules are different for home rule counties than general rule counties. Uh, the section of ORS we missed is actually in a little piece of the home rule county statutes and is not in the initiative um, procedures statutes portion of uh, ORS, which is one of the reasons why it's, it got missed. Um, so it, it, it's a complex thing. Uh, but, you know, 
been an interesting day. You know, I had to drop the dog off to the vet first thing this morning, go on to my, my Junction City event, head down to, to speak to a Rotary Club, uh, pick up the dog from the vet, kind of got delayed doing that, get back here late, realize my computer was all, um, you know, uh, not doing the right things. <laughs> And uh, had to reboot, and I'm watching the time go by, and it's like, ah, I'm going to miss my show. I'm trying to, all sorts of things to get through, and uh, had to call in like I was a guest and all that stuff. And speaking of, you know, if you want to be uh, on, on the show and you have a question for me, you just and today's a free-for-all day, so whatever topic you want to talk about, if you want to ask me about my poodle and, and, and all that stuff or the rest of the poodles, uh, we can talk about that. We can talk about trash. We can talk about the work camp. Uh, we can talk about Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, or uh, I'm going to an event tonight and I'm going to get to meet Bud Pierce, so uh, our, uh, one of the candidates for governor uh, of the state tonight. We can talk about uh, our state elections. We can talk about some of the local elections here. So every subject's Fair game. You can just call in at 646-721-9887 and just press one and that lets Robin know that you're uh, wanting to come in with a question or comment. And if you don't want to come live, you can send an email to talk at krbnradio.net and that um, we can pick that up during the show and, and read your question and, and uh, try and answer it for you then. Or if you just have a suggestion for a topic for a future show or a guest that you'd like me to try and get on, um, feel free to email me anytime and, and even between shows to, to ask questions or have topics. And of course, you can always send us a message on, on the uh, KRBN Internet uh, Radio Facebook page. Um, or you know even my uh, Westland Commissioner Facebook page or my personal Facebook page, um, all sorts of ways to get questions to me that I can uh, answer on the show here or just answer directly back to you if you don't want to have your uh, issues discussed live on the radio uh, across the internet. But uh, I do this show because I really want to make myself available to the public and to be able to answer questions. And you know, it also gives me a chance to express some of my opinions on some subjects that are outside of the county's uh, matters of county concern, so to speak, because uh, I'm an opinionated guy and I like to talk about various things. Uh, kind of interesting watching the national news lately. Uh, it even seems like the Associated Press is starting to kind of wonder about Secretary, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and some of the contributions to the Clinton Family Foundation while she was Secretary of State. <laughs> I don't know if anyone saw that story. Did you see that story, Robin? Uh, I've been seeing snippets about that, but it makes me wonder, too. Um, what if, I mean, if somebody in, let's say, our local government went ahead and started sharing some of the uh, secrets because I'm sure you had to sign a confidentiality agreement too, just to be in government, right, Jay? Um, no, actually, I don't sign a confidentiality agreement as a commissioner. Um, but there are certain things um, that are well understood of what's public record and what's not. Um, and I can create, you know, as a commissioner, I can create a huge liability for the county and the citizens if I disclose information that's confidential that I have access to as a commissioner. Um, and it's one of the things, you know, that has happened in the past. It's one of the reasons why uh, employees or citizens sometimes sue government is, is from that disclosure of information. Uh, you know, so it's kind of beholding on me to get myself trained on what I can say and can't say sometimes. Uh, and understanding what's attorney-client privilege and sometimes uh, giving up my rights as um, a personal citizen if I disclose attorney-client privileged information between our county council and the commissioners 
uh, and make it public record. You know, so it, it's understanding my both my rights as a as a citizen and a commissioner, and also understanding um, you know what is confidential, like HIPAA information or uh, employment some some employment information, and just uh, and just things that you should have care with. Like I can't violate um, uh, labor practices and, and and get an unfair labor practice complaint against me because I accidentally speak out of turn about what negotiations uh, we're having with a particular labor union. Uh, you can really mess up as a, as an elected official. Uh, and cost the citizens an incredible amount of money, and you can cost yourself money if you do it outside of your authority. You know, the, the, the county has a responsibility to defend me and pay damages if I do something um, that creates a liability for the county, but I'm doing it within the scope of my uh, authority as a commissioner. But if I do something outside of my authority, I'm, I am personally liable. Or if I do something even that creates a liability, but I do it knowingly. And this gets back to the, the, the famous um, lawsuit about public um, meetings that happened here in Lane County. Uh, and that is uh, some commissioners were found to have violated the public meetings law, but only two commissioners were actually um, settled to where they took some financial responsibility because they were found to have knowingly and willfully violated the public records law. Whereas one commissioner that also violated did it unknowingly and, un and kind of unwillingly um, by accidentally answering somebody's question um, when he was asked about how he might vote on an issue. Uh, so that's kind of one of those things as an elected official, you have to keep all that in the back of your mind at all times that you're, you can actually create personal liability for yourself if you violate the laws. Uh, and, and it's something that, one of the reasons why we have a council and a council that reports directly to the board and is our council and, and uh, not necessarily the administrator's council um, because we need that legal advice to help keep us out of trouble. Uh, so just one of the aspects of being a, a, an elected official, and one of the reasons why not everyone in the world wants to step into this arena, because you are opening yourself up to a massive amount of personal liability in, in being involved as an elected official. So, um, that's my advertisement for all you want to run run for office. <laughs> so you can pick up the forms by emailing. Which, by the way, the, the deadline for some of the local um, mayor and council races is still uh, not up yet. Uh, believe it or not, Junction City, you can still file for city council and mayor by until August 31st. Um, because they don't do a primary. They kind of have a, just in gen the November general election, uh, whoever gets the most votes is mayor for mayor, and uh, with their uh, council seats, they they basically there's um, four open seats uh, this time due to the, the passing of a of a councilor recently, and uh, whoever is the top four vote getters will be city councilors. So you still have an opportunity to file there uh, for both the mayor's race and the city council race there in Junction City if you're so motivated and a, and a legal resident of uh, Junction City over uh, of the proper age and all that to serve. Um, so I would encourage folks that might be interested in, in getting involved in electoral politics, one of the places to start is on a local city council or school board. Generally, sometimes those races, there'll be four people for four positions. And, you know, <laughs> if you file, you're in. And sometimes there's less. Not sure how many people have filed for Junction City's races yet, but uh, uh, it'd be good to get as many people as you can because it gives people a choice. And just, just being involved in the election process is a learning process for folks. You can learn about your city government. So there's your advertisement for, for running for office, knowing that there's actually some uh, offices available to file for right now. And speaking of Junction City, 
I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention in this show uh, the passing of Ellie Dumdi and Herb Christensen. Uh, Ellie passed a, a few weeks ago, a former Lane County Commissioner, um, and when I mentioned that lawsuit, she was the name on the lawsuit. Um, it's referred to as the Dumdi case uh, on the public meetings. And unfortunately, some people, that's all they know about her. But Ellie was uh, an incredible woman. Uh, she did serve three terms as, as, a, as the Westland County Commissioner. I inherited her seat um, with a couple of different commissioners between us. Uh, so there was a good 12 years um, between Ellie and myself being the Westland County Commissioner. But it's funny, um, when I moved into the office there, uh, there was this big old wood desk that didn't work very well for modern day computers because they had no keyboard tray and all that stuff. So the keyboard sat up, you either put it in your lap or you put it up on the desk. It wasn't very ergonomic. So I decided to, um, there was some, uh, some, um, you know, as we were laying people off about that time in Lane County, there was a lot of furniture around that wasn't being used. <laughs> So I, I co-opted some furniture that was actually built for computers and had that desk moved out of the office. And when they tilted it up on end to put it on a dolly, a pink slip fluttered out of the, the desk from underneath the, the drawers. And it was a phone message to Ellie Dumdi from a constituent um, that, I, that I gave to her a couple weeks later uh, and had a good laugh about this phone message she needed to return. <laughs> more than 12 years after the fact. But Ellie was um, an incredible member of the Junction City community, uh, speaking of Junction City. Even though she lived outside the city limits there on Bain Lane, her and Cleve Dumdi were just, um, you, you could almost not separate them from the Long Tom Grange, Junction City Schools, where Ellie taught for a while as a career counselor uh, to uh, the the local chamber of commerce that she was active in to uh, the Seroptimus International, uh, Airport Rotary, huge supporter of the Scandinavian Festival. I mean, I, every time I went up to the Scandinavian Festival, I'd run into Ellie in her Scandinavian clothing. Um, and she was just an amazingly energetic woman that, that was involved in everything. And she kind of had this, you know, you only live life once philosophy. <laughs> And getting out there and doing everything. Uh, so the folks that only kind of remember her as being a name on a lawsuit um, are kind of at a disservice that they don't know more about Ellie and just how involved in her community was. She was a mentor for a lot of people. She didn't care if you were a Republican or Democrat. She would listen to your problems, try and help you solve them when she was an elected official. She helped mentor me and she helped mentor Anna Morrison she helped mentor um, uh, folks that you might not uh, think of folks that she would mentor, including um, Val Hoyle, uh, you know, who's, you know, you would not think of, of Val Hoyle and myself as similar in, in politics, but uh, Ellie made herself available to whoever wanted her advice and, and uh, counsel, uh, and, and wisdom. She was just one of those kind of people, a very giving person. And Herb Christensen, you know, was just a, another uh, fixture in, in Junction City. Uh, greatly involved in his church and the community and a long, long time city councilor. He's the person I made reference to. The reason they all, they're having four seats available instead of three was uh, Herb was in the middle of his four-year term. And I can't. I I don't know how many years Herb served on this Junction City Council, but they had their first meeting last night um, without him. And I was speaking to both the mayor and a couple city councilors uh, last night and today, and they said it was very strange not to have Herb in, in the city council chamber. It'd been that long that he'd been on the city council. Um, a really nice guy. Uh, Loved his, his car collection um, and just loved Junction City, too. Uh, and both Herb and Ellie will be greatly missed in our communities. And they're kind of the, those sort of fixtures that, that um, you kind of wonder who will be the next fixture in, in the communities and, and what generation is going to take over for them. 
and, it, and both their passings were a little bit sudden and unexpected. And uh, I think Junction City is mourning their loss and uh, Lane County is mourning their loss. So, uh, you know, kind of getting up there today to open that new Alana place with the St. Vincent folks, um, I kind of was reminded of, of both of them up there and kind of the fact that they weren't there for those, the, that event uh, was kind of a reminder uh, of the fact that we're missing them. But Junction City is a, a hopping place. Um, you know, it's interesting to see a community that's kind of embracing itself and has always embraced itself. I, you know, I find it interesting because being a county commissioner, um, you represent you know, unincorporated areas where you're the first level of government and, and people call you for everything to where I represent folks that live in, in incorporated cities, like I represent parts of the city of Eugene, uh, I represent all of Junction City, Veneta, uh, Florence, and Dune City. Um, and those folks, you know, only kind of get a hold of you uh, about stuff that kind of is outside of their city scope. Uh, which can be everything from uh, issues with uh, the jail or prosecution uh, to uh, our, our public health department that cities don't don't do. Um, but that's you know Junction City is an interesting city because you know having four cities that I interact with regularly. Um, one of the things that small cities have a have an issue with is kind of not becoming a bedroom community to a larger city. And Junction City has been really successful in not being that way. And it all started back in the 60s when I-5 was built. And they made a, there was a, a doctor that lived in Junction City that was really determined that when, you know, they, 99 was their lifeblood at that time. And the reason why it was a big, you know, their automobile dealerships and, and all that in Junction City was Everybody had to drive through Junction City to get to and from Corvallis or up to Portland and Salem. Um, I-5 gets built and they get bypassed more or less. And it's like, how are we going to keep our community alive? And that's when they invented the Scandinavian Festival. It was back in the 60s when I-5 was built to bring people to Junction City to say, hey, we're still here. <laughs> and that, that, you know, they chose the Scandinavian Festival because there, there's a, fairly significant Scandinavian population in Oregon and quite a few of them settled in the Junction City area. So they, be, they chose to have the Scandinavian festival and it's really become the town's identity where that, you know, you'll see, you know, Scandinavian, you know, style um, artwork on the signage for businesses and they have the windmills up there and, and, you know, there's the, the Viking Inn and things like that. Um, and it's become the town's image. And because they have that cohesiveness, they've always become a community that's really uh, been strong and has maintained uh, a local chamber of commerce where a lot of rural chamber of commerces have difficulty surviving. Um, in modern times, uh, they've got a strong, healthy chamber of commerce. They got one of the biggest lion clubs in, in the area. Uh, they you know, very active community in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, they've got Junction City Local Aid up there. They've got Junction City Habitat, ha Habitat for Humanity. Um, very vibrant community. And, and as a community, they kind of embraced the idea that um, they have to stay economically viable and grow to stay a viable community. And that embracing of that growth has brought them opportunities and they are actually the fastest growing community in Lane County, population-wise. Not by much, but they are the fastest growing. And this Alona Place project is just one example of, of, a, of a project where they jumped in and embraced it and, and, and embraced St. Vinny's, and they're getting 40 new housing units out of it of workforce affordable housing so that some of the lower paying service jobs out there in Junction City might actually find some people that can afford to live there um, to do their do those jobs. But they really, you know, embrace the whole idea of the uh, state uh, uh, 
mental health hospital there and the possible state prison coming because they understood it brought jobs with it and infrastructure. They didn't, you know, they weren't as concerned about some of the NIMBY issues that come around with those sort of facilities. And with that came some infrastructure dollars from the state. So they were ready when uh, Cosmo Creations that located up there in Junction City and, and you know, you guys might be familiar with Cosmo corn stuff, you know, that, that um, stuff that doesn't, that's kind of like popcorn, doesn't have the kernels in it. Yummy stuff that I don't think if you buy the tiny, tiny little bags or the great big bags, it's single serving bags. Because um, <laughs> once you open them, you can't stop. Uh, but they're expanding up there in Junction City and bought a, a new piece of land and built a brand new, are building a brand new building and, and doubling their workforce and, and just going gangbusters up there. They attracted um, Winnebago into the old country coach facility because they've got this, we're, we're, we're going to support business in our community attitude. And, uh, you know, they're just, they're, St. Vincent, you know, took an old uh, automobile de dealership, Gibson there, and converted it into a thrift store, and they've got 15 employees and hire mostly local. They're just, you know, they're my little success story here in Lane County. I, I, I wish all of the rural communities could could have the um, some of the economic success that, that Junction City is enjoying. Not saying that everyone in Junction City is, um, you know, all in 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 uh, with you know rainbows and flowers and and doing well. Um, there's still people struggling, and we can do better. But um, they're they're doing some really good things there, and uh, you know a, the, a lot of the hard work that started way back in the '60s when they got bypassed by I-5 um, is showing. You know, 50 years later. Uh, that, that that community is cohesive, has an identity, and has the will to embrace growth and, and support business at the same time as thinking about um, supporting their uh, more vulnerable populations, you know, why they have a successful Habitat for Humanity chapter up there, why they have a successful um, Lions Club, and, and why, the, you know, St. Vincent de Paul's uh, invested so heavily up there in that community. So it's a good lesson for all rural communities in, in, in Oregon uh, and something that, you know, they can be proud of up there. And uh, I think uh, Herb and, and Ellie can be proud that they were involved in establishing those, those community, that community and being so successful. So this is the Bose Nose Show, and we talk about anything and everything here on our free-for-all days. Don't have a guest today, so you can steer the show in the direction you want. Just call 646-721-9887 and press 1 to get in the queue here. Uh, we don't have anyone in the queue, so you can jump right in here, and we can talk about what you want to talk about. Uh, or you can email me at talk at krbnradio.net. And you can even do that between shows uh, to suggest a guest or ask me a question you want me to talk about on the air. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, Lane County, we can talk about the state of Oregon. We can talk about Measure 97 if you want. Um, that was in the news today. Um, there's this crazy thing that was set up that I just don't quite understand which is the citizens initiative review committee um was set up by the legislature a few years back um and uh it's it, uh there's I, you know i don't know how the members get appointed or whatever but they voted 11 to 9 today to support measure 97 which is a pretty slim majority and especially seeing uh, I'm not sure who appoints the members to this, but we have all of our statewide um, elected officials are Democrat, and our legislature uh, has got a super majority of Democrats in both the Senate and, and the uh, House. So I'm pretty sure that that committee probably leans more progressive and all that, and even they 
almost didn't endorse Measure 97, which kind of tells you that it's not exactly the most popular measure. Uh, and, you know, to me, I, I am not in favor of it for several reasons, one of which it's a hidden tax. And I absolutely hate taxes that people can't see their pain. Um, you know, most people are pretty aware of the property tax they pay if they own property. And most people are, are pretty aware of income tax because they have to file for it. Um, but this gross receipts tax, corporate sales tax, people won't actually know they're paying it when they buy something at Fred Meyer and the price of whatever it is includes paying that tax by Fred Meyer. And they won't know when they pay their electric bill to uh, Pacific uh, Gas and Electric that, or Pacific Corp, that that actually includes this 2.5% gross receipts tax. Uh, and I hate taxes people don't know they're paying because it really allows government to fly under the radar about how expensive they really are. And if it, for that sole reason only, I would vote against that tax, not to mention it's going to turn out to be one of the most regressive taxes in Oregon history because it is way disproportionately going to be borne by uh, low-income folks because it does act like a sales tax uh, and doesn't have any of the features of maybe um, you know where there's any rebate to low-income folks uh, uh, or prebate that some sales tax um, initial, you know, proposals have had. It has none of that to, to get away from some of the uh, uh, regressive nature that that tax is. So, um, you know, we can talk about Measure 97 if you want. Uh, Jay, if you don't mind, if I can jump in with a question for you. Sure. Speaking of, of taxes, I've heard somewhere, I think it might have been the Constitution, but, you know, who reads that, that there's a thing about taxation without representation. Mm -hmm. Does 98 kind of fall into that uh, guideline somewhere? 97? 97, rather. Um, it's that, I'm not quite sure because, um, you know, it's a tax on corporations, and corporations are basically a legal form of a group of people and those people have the ability for representation um, I'm sure in some format or another now some of the out-of-state corporations might be able to claim that but I think they're doing business within the jurisdiction of the state so I I, I don't know what the uh, the court history and rulings are on that, but I'm sure there's probably been challenge of that before of whether uh, a corporation from one state can be taxed when he does business in another state because they can't vote for the legislature in that state. That's probably been dealt with in, in, in uh, federal court um, at some point. Under the portion of the Constitution that speaks to the regulation of commerce, um, which people have greatly blown out of proportion um, in the day of, of um, when the Constitution was written, uh, when they talk about uh, regulation of commerce, it was about to make commerce regular, to, to make it even between the states, not, not to actually have the federal government be able to step in and do whatever they want with businesses um, like they're doing at times. It was really meant to just keep interstate business regular. Um, but that's a whole other, we could get into a long discussion about the Constitution um, and, and, the, and the Commerce Clause. But I think, uh, you know, that's the one thing I think people fail to ever understand about corporations is they're just a legal entity of association of a group of people. And their shareholders are that group of people. And when you tax a corporation, you're not taxing a corporation like it's a business. You're taxing the uh, shareholders and um, 
they can choose to pay that tax in a number of ways. One, they can raise the price of whatever product or service the corporation sells, or they can lower their um, dividends to the shareholders, which quite often, you know, when you talk about larger corporations, those shares are held in people's 401ks, and and you know, PERS owns a lot of stock in corporations. Um, <laughs> So when you think about taxing corporations to pay our PERS liability, it's a little circular in some ways, because uh, <laughs> that's you know PERS invests heavily in uh, corporate stocks, um, but those you know they can pay less to their shareholders, or they can pay their employees less, you know, and maybe not give the raises they plan to give. So the only people, the corporation doesn't pay that tax either. The customers do. The employees do or the shareholders do. They're all people. You know, when you tax a corporation, you tax people. But the problem is, is they may not see that they're actually paying that tax. That employee may not realize that his company chose to give lower bonuses this year because there was an enactment of some corporate tax in a state their corporation does business in. He'll have no idea that he lost income, potential income to a tax, and he's therefore paying that tax de facto and doesn't know he's paying it, which to me is is the worst kind of taxation there can be as a hidden tax. On the same token, it would be like if you've got to say your company decides to give you a $50 bonus and they give you a check for 35 bucks because that's also taxable. In fact, I think it's less than that. Because then that also be, uh, classify as a tax gift or something similar. Uh, I'm I'm not sure I follow with a, a bonus as a tax gift. Yeah, I think that I think you pay a higher tax if you give a uh, a bonus check versus just giving them extra extra hours per se. Yeah. Um, Sort of, I think the withholding's higher, uh, but ultimately, it's 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 not that you pay extra taxes. The 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 state feds like you to withhold a little bit more because generally people don't plan for that income uh, in their general overall withholdings and uh, have a tendency to then if if they you know depending on how much how much of a percentage of their incomes and bonuses. Um, you know, it's it's more a way of the state getting the money up front, and not and in case somebody hasn't quite planned for that bonus tax-wise, um, come April 15th, um, it's not that they you pay extra tax on. It. It's just that they they the withholding rates are higher. Yeah, I guess at some point, especially when you're low income and you're struggling, and you just and all these tax increases. Start asking the question, you know, when, what is enough? Yeah. Well, and part of what it does with you get a lot of taxation, um, it motivates folks to avoid taxes. And how often you get people that are going to want to start wanting to be paid in cash for a service because they don't have to file, they can hide that income. You know, that's when you get the, um, the folks that clean a house or do your yard and want be paid in cash instead of a check. So there's no trace, no ability to trace that income because they're, they're, you know, getting paid under the table. So the motivation to avoid taxes goes up when you raise taxes too. Um, and that's kind of what Art Laffer, an economist uh, that worked in the Reagan administration, um, basically proposed his uh, what was known as the Laffer curve, and that's spelled L-A-F-F-E-R. Um, and uh, that's become pretty famous and derided by a lot of um, uh, the ec- economists that follow um, you know, Alfred Keynes. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's true. There's there's a point where you actually a sweet spot where you get the most tax revenue because if you push the tax rates beyond a certain point, you actually get tax avoidance um, and also uh, a disincentive to earn income, and you, you get less money for the increase in percentage. And that was the whole 
idea behind lowering tax rates to actually raise revenue, <laughs> which some, some people don't get. But if you leave that money in the economy, it will actually generate enough economic activity to make up for the lower rate. Um, so one of those things that, that kind of in, in economics is a little hard to understand, but, uh, it, you know, John F. Kennedy understood that as president lowered tax rates um, when he took office in 1960, and it created a boom in the early 60s in our economy. Uh, similar thing under President Reagan, and we saw a long period of, of prosperity after some of his um, economic policies were implemented. Some of them weren't really felt until actually into the uh, Clinton years, um, but it, it's uh, pretty well founded that, that some of those changes in policy uh, around taxation uh, really opened up the economy, which kind of leads back to corporate taxation. And if you increase corporate taxes, uh, are you actually going to encourage folks to locate corporations here and do business here in Oregon? Or are you actually going to give a disincentive for folks to locate and do business in Oregon. And with that disincentive, you know, they predicted that that, that Measure 97 is going to cost the state of Oregon about 36,000 jobs, although the revenue is going to hire about 18,000 new public employees. Um, so there's a net loss of, you know, about 18,000 jobs in there. Um, still, it's a loss of jobs and moving them from the private sector um, into, into the public sector. And I don't really think that's where we want to go in the state of Oregon. Throw into that the uh, increase in minimum wage. Yeah, that, that, yeah that's going to have its own impact on, on the state's economy. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how some of these economic policies play out. The impacts of them may take years and not be felt till after there's actually a change in the administration, uh, I would feel sorry for, um, you know, any new Republican governor that gets elected in the next four, uh, you know, four to eight years because they're going to inherit um, a ticking time bomb with the state's economy in some ways. Um, and it always seems to be the person in office that get, gets blamed versus the person that, that made some of the decisions that caused it. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things that's pretty pretty inherent in politics, uh, unless it happens right at the beginning of an administration where you can look back and say, "Well, I, I inherited this mess." Um, but sometimes it's just due to the anticipation of, of policies changing that that happens right at the beginning of the administration. So it's going to be an interesting uh, future for Oregon with the. Uh, that if we do enact the uh, gross receipts tax, if we do have this uh, sick leave policies coming into play. We've got the new minimum wage laws coming into play. Um, you know, we're still hampered by the only statewide zoning um, and land use laws in the, in the So interesting to see how we play out relative to the rest of uh, the U.S.'s economy. And if we can do something about our federal forest and the and the 50% of Oregon owned by the federal government, but we're getting pretty close to the end of the Bose Nose Show for today. I apologize for all the technical difficulties at the beginning of the show. Uh, hopefully next week uh, we can come back with a better show uh, and do something good then. But uh, uh, do our best to get all of our technical difficulties ironed out. And we will be back next week with another edition of the Bose Note Show here live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And we hope to hear you hear from you next time. Drop us an email again at talk at krbnradio.net. Bye.